Welcome to another episode of the Ask Aces podcast, where we connect you with science and answer common questions you may have regarding food, agriculture, families, and more. Today we are joined by Philip Alberti, a University of Illinois Extension educator in commercial agriculture. Since the Illinois Hemp Bill passed, allowing people to grow, process, and distribute hemp for fiber, grain, and CBD, many farmers have questions on how this versatile cash crop can work for them. So, Philip, would you mind just starting off this conversation with an explanation of what industrial hemp is or what the difference is between hemp and marijuana? Sure. So industrial hemp is actually classified as cannabis sativa, which is the same as marijuana. The the only distinction between hemp and marijuana is the amount of THC, or the psychoactive component, found in marijuana. So if you test below 0.3% THC, you're classified as hemp. If it's above 0.3% THC, it's classified as marijuana. And so I like to think of it as the difference between field corn and sweet corn. It's the same plant, just been bred for very different purposes. Good distinction there. And speaking of the purposes, would you mind going over what hemp can be used for and maybe a little bit of what CBD it really is? Sure. Uh, It might be easier to ask what can't hemp be used for because it's pretty (laughs) impressive the number of uses that it has. Uh, Primarily, it's grown for three things. Uh, Food uh, as, as a grain, fiber, which can be processed into textiles, agricultural products, even used as uh, insulation material in a form called hempcrete, composites on car doors. And then the most recent, or the, I guess the biggest rush uh, this year was for the CBD oil. Uh, so CBD stands for cannabidiol, and it's the non-psychoactive component uh, found in hemp. So CBD is used or claimed to be used for a variety of medical ailments, uh, ranging from uh, anxiety, uh, gastrointestinal disorders, and while many of those purposes uh, or reasons to use CBD haven't been properly studied, the one which is really interesting is the use of CBD to treat uh, seizures in children suffering from epilepsy. And that's one of the the, the big ones where it's actually been studied and um, really seems to have a big benefit. But right now, uh, the primary interest is in CBD as a cash crop. Uh, The idea, and this is in theory, is that it can be pretty profitable on a limited amount of acreage, uh, but we're going to find out come October how true that really is. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Now, speaking of growing hemp, can all the different kinds of hemp be grown the same way, or are there certain things you really need to consider when getting down into the different varieties? Yeah, it depends on the end use, but uh, all the production systems are going to be a little bit different. So, for instance, if you're growing it for grain, uh, we're talking about seeding it at something like 25 to 30 pounds per acre, so you're you're going to be having a lot of plants per acre. Um, When you're seeding it, you're going to be using a drill or a planter. You can broadcast seed it. Um, but we, this is going to be much more similar to our uh, small grains production. So think of something like winter wheat, where you're going to be, or wheat or oats, how you're going to be planting it at a very high population, harvesting that grain at the top of the plant, and then you're going to be leaving behind a, a good amount of residue or the, the fiber, the stalk of the plant. Uh, you can actually grow uh, hemp as a dual purpose crop as well. So after you harvest that grain, you can go back and over and harvest the fiber which can be processed and can be used for the textiles uh, and replacing uh, many of the microplastics and clothing materials that we use. Um, If you're going to be growing it strictly for fiber, you're actually going to be increasing that seeding rate up quite a bit. So I like to think of it as uh, growing something like hay, where you're going to grow it, you're going to chop it, bale it, and send it to the processors. 
So the grain and fiber are kind of um, uh, similar production systems. You're just going to be changing the amount of inputs that you use. But CBD is a lot more different. CBD is much more like growing a specialty crop, like tomatoes or peppers, where you're going to be spacing the plants out about three, four feet maybe row spacing, depending on, on the type of equipment and production system that you have. And this is where it gets really interesting, is that for the CBD side, you only want to have the unpollinated female plants. And so any male plants that you find in the field are going to be removed, because as soon as a uh, female plant uh, gets pollinated, it starts to produce seed, and then the CBD concentration goes down, and then you have a grain crop instead of a CBD crop. So uh, much more similar to uh, what our specialty growers deal with, whereas our grain and fiber operations are much more similar to what a corn and soybean producer has the equipment to technically do. Speaking of uh, that process, you, you brought up female plants. Does this tie into the feminized seed that I hear brought up every now and then in these conversations? Absolutely, it does. So you can buy uh, you know your standard seed, which contains roughly 50% male and 50% female plants. Or you can buy feminized seed, which is where, if done properly, north of 99% of those seeds will be the female plant. Feminized seeds are actually going to be more expensive than the non-feminized seeds, but if you can imagine planting a field of non-feminized seeds and having to go out and pull about half of the plants which grow because they are males, and that could potentially be very detrimental to your, your rest of your crop, as opposed to buying feminized seed where you're going out there and you may find one male here or there and have to pull it but it, so it's very important to understand the type of seed that you're buying because that's ultimately going to dictate how much work you're going to be doing in the field later in the season. Now when it comes to growing these plants would farmers see similar insect or pest pressures that they see in other crops or would these bring about different types of pests and diseases? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, uh, just in our experiences this year, we found that pretty much any pest that likes corn seems to like hemp as well. Things like corn earworm, corn rootworm, cutworms, corn borer, we've seen it all this year. Japanese beetles was another, another big one. But the tricky part about all that is, in, whereas in corn and soybean, we have insecticide control options for when pests get out of hand with uh, industrial hemp. There are no labeled chemical insecticides, herbicides, pesticides, things, fungicides. So you are left with biological options, which are more the organic route. Um, but many of those haven't been approved for use in Illinois yet, and so our, our options for control are very limited, making it uh, a challenge to understand what pests are going to be out there and how we can control them. So it's kind of this moving target that we're trying to hit right now, but it turns out that hemp is a very desirable crop for most of the pests that are out there. Um, and so cultural practices, you know, rotations, um, using things like companion crops or nurse crops, trap crops to kind of help mitigate the impacts of these uh, pests might be a control route uh, moving forward. Can growers get organic certification for hemp? Yes, they can. When you think about the fact that we don't have many control op options of the chemical variety, you are, in a sense, having an organic system. So with the way the markets are at right now and there's always there's this demand for organic production, it might be beneficial to consider that when you're thinking about site selection for growing this crop. Perhaps if you're switching over from something like a pasture or a conservation reserve program, if it's already been in a organic state for several years, you might be able to bypass that certification process, which can be difficult. And so you could start growing a, a hemp crop in an organically certified field. 
So as a new and interesting crop industrial hemp, growers need a license to grow this, right? Yes, they do. Uh, so whether you are growing or processing this crop for grain, fiber, or CBD, you will need a license from the Department of Agriculture. There are certain requirements that are out there. For instance, you need to not have a, a felony in the last 10 years and, and uh, go through a background check and get approved. And also there are land use requirements, and this I think is particularly important for our indoor growers. Um, so you will need a, a license for each non-contiguous land area. So if they're not connected, you will need a separate license for each of those. And that also goes for our greenhouse growers. So even if it's on the same area, if you are growing in a greenhouse to start transplants and moving them into the field, you will need separate applications or licenses for each of those outdoor and indoor growing operations. But the thing about size requirements, there's been a lot of folks uh, trying to put greenhouses up for next year. The greenhouses need to be at least 500 square feet uh, in size for them to be qualified for the license and then acreages outside uh, in the field need to be at least a quarter acre uh, for you to be able to get an application to grow. So there are some size requirements and although those, those don't seem very large, they are very important uh, to get a license. Continuing on with important paperwork, there's another very important piece that growers will probably need and that is a certificate of analysis. Can you go over why that's so important? Yeah, so the certificate of analysis is uh, the report from a laboratory stating that the variety you intend to grow is approved by the, the guidelines from the Department of Agriculture, meaning that it was tested below the 0.3% THC content, which qualifies it to be hemp and not marijuana. So it's a very important piece of paper to have. And if you're dealing with anybody buying seed and they are not aware what a certificate of analysis or a COA is, probably best not to do business with them. One thing I'd like to talk about too is that if you are going to be doing any travel with the seed or the end product after harvest, that you keep a copy of that certificate of analysis in the car or on your person at all times, along with a copy of the license for industrial hemp production. Good to know. Now, after getting that license to grow industrial hemp, what types of reports could growers potentially need to submit in the future? Yeah, so if you apply, you need to, again, submit all that information about where you're at. So basically your uh, production intentions. This is what I intend to grow. This is where I intend to grow it. Um, and then later on in the season, what you need to do, and this is very critical, is that you have to submit a harvest report or a pre-harvest report to the Department of Agriculture 30 days prior to your actual harvest. And the reason for that is because this crop uh, contains, at least in some part, some THC. And so the Department of Ag would like to be able to have enough time from when you say you're going to be harvesting to potentially come out and sample your crop to make sure it falls within their uh, thresholds for hemp and doesn't test higher than that 0.3% THC. And if you are randomly selected, you will have to wait until they come out and test the crop before you can harvest it. Um, if you do not uh, get selected by the Department of Agriculture, you uh, will be able to harvest the crop, but it's just... Um, to make sure that the Department of Ag knows who's growing, where they're growing, and um, be able to test to make sure that they're following the, the appropriate guidelines. So that's the pre-harvest report. And then there's one more that comes in and is due at the end of the season, which states how much did I harvest, um, and where did I harvest it, and if there was any changes to your original intention. So again, having three kind of reports, if you will, is a little different than what we typically do for something like corn or soybeans. Now, after growing some industrial hemp, where can growers take it? Where are the processors? We're still learning. Uh, that's the, the difficult thing with 
starting an entirely new crop is that we have to develop, you know, essentially a whole new supply chain and a market for this. So we had over 900 growers or about 900 growers across the state uh, apply to grow hemp. We'll see how many of them actually did and what those acreages were. And we had about 300 apply for processing, but we think it's going to be significantly less than that. Uh, and so right now we have a very general list of processors by county and by name of LLC, but we don't have any other contact information for them, nor do we have the capacity on uh, how, many, how much of production will they be willing to take in, are they actually active, um, and how to get a hold of them. So growers are in kind of a tight bind right now where they're waiting to harvest or in the middle of harvesting. They have to store this crop and then they don't know ultimately where they're going to go with it. And so this is a, an issue that's been seen in Wisconsin going back to last year when they were in a similar situation that we are right now after just legalizing this new crop. But it's going to take some time for these new markets to develop. So if you do have interest in looking for some of these processors or want to know where they might be, I can at least get you a start and put you in the right direction. Just one of those things that people I think should be aware of before they hop into this new industry. There sounds like so many things growers will need to keep track of if they're interested in trying to produce hemp. What advice do you have for them? Take that acreage you're thinking of growing it and cutting it in half and then probably even cutting that in half again. It's it's an entirely new new crop with new issues and we're taking the best information that we have is from other places, Colorado, Oregon. But just because those things work there doesn't necessarily mean they're going to work here. And the thresholds, the recommendations that they have, they change dramatically by state, by you know climate, latitude, where we're at in the state. It's all very different. The information that we have that's research-based is from other places, but it's not necessarily local. So it's a baseline. Take the time to do the research and make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into when trying something like this. You know, starting small, understanding that your control options are limited and, you know, you might be in a situation where it's technically off-label to, or you'll, you'll be applying a pesticide and something like corn or soybeans that may be technically off-label use in hemp, which means you would be violating the law. So there's all these little things that go into this new crop that really need to be taken into account uh, before trying to grow it. And ultimately too, you know, I think we can grow this crop and it can grow really well here, but you have to think about what this plant looks like. It looks like a miniature Christmas tree. So if you're going out there thinking you're gonna have 10 to 20 acres and you're gonna grow this, think about where you're gonna put 10 to 20 acres of Christmas trees, where you're gonna hang them up for drying, and then ultimately where are you gonna take them for processing. Is that that wasn't enough, there's not just the processing side, you have to have an end buyer in place as well once the processing is done. So this is a whole new system that we're learning. We have a long way to go to figure out how it's gonna work in the state. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of interest and we're going to do our best to get the information to them. But take your time, do your research, and if you have any questions, give me a call. If people want to learn more about industrial hemp, what are some resources that you recommend looking into? Or are you going to be at any upcoming events that people could come and speak directly with you at? Yeah, so right now uh, we've been putting together a list of information as our website is under a redesign, but it's we've still got some information there. Go.illinois.edu slash hemp. Tried to make it a little easier. So that's go.illinois.edu slash hemp. And on there you're going to find a list of potential seed suppliers, um, best management practices, links to websites from Colorado State, Oregon State. Just trying to put all the information that we have into one spot. Um, 
if that doesn't work, you give me a call or shoot me an email, and I'd be glad to answer any of those questions. But we do have a few uh, events coming up here uh, this, this fall and the winter, the first of which is going to be November 25th in Springfield. Um, you can contact the local extension office to get more information about that. And then we will be having two more in northern Illinois, December 17th in Rockford and December 19th in Elizabeth. Um, so if you have any more questions, just uh, shoot your local extension office a call or shoot me an email. I'd be glad to get you that information. Excellent. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up here today? It's been a, a very fun summer working with people and trying something new. I'm traditionally with corn and soybeans, so this has been quite the, the summer for learning. Um, and I, I just want, again, exercise caution when hopping into this. Um, you know, the last it's a very expensive crop to get into, um, and there's a lot of unknowns out there. Just make sure that you're working with people that you trust. And, again, uh, ad, I advise caution. All right. Good advice. Thank you very much for joining us, Philip, and answering some of our questions on this timely issue. Join us next time for another Ask ACES podcast.